0: so my phone died and I can't find the script for this ad read so I'm gonna go a little off book this podcast is sponsored by Louisville Ale Trail a brewery passport program located here right in Louisville Kentucky that's right guys Louisville Kentucky and I'm saying Louisville well many of you think of Kentucky you think of bourbon and we know that Kentucky is a bourbon state but the three guys Michael David and John are doing an incredible thing to change people's minds when they think of Louisville Kentucky cuz guys we're more than just bourbon, we're also beer. So next time you're in Louisville and at a brewery, ask a bartender for a passport because, well, let's be honest. If you finish the passport, you're entered to win some money and we could all use some of that for more beer. Hey, all you cool Schwartz beers in Doppelbox. Welcome to another episode of Boise from Martin, a women in beer podcast. On this episode, I am joined with Sarah Kasmer of Elsewhere Brewing in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm gonna keep this introduction short and sweet, only because my new dog is pawing at the door and not letting me do a proper introduction. But I will mention one beer that I had this week that I really enjoyed was Fall City Beer in Louisville, Kentucky. Is dry hopped lager called Couch Coach? Is back out this? I guess it's a winter seasonal for basketball. It's called Couch Coach. It's got basketballs on the design, but it's a dry hopped lager. And if you know me, I love lagers, and I even loved. Even more, I love dry hop bloggers. Like I said, this intro is going to be short and sweet. As always, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. I am joined with Sarah Kasmer of Elsewhere Brewing out of Atlanta, Georgia. Sarah, how are you doing this Monday afternoon? I'm groovy. How are you doing, I'm good. Uh, Just want to warn everybody, Uh, my dogs have decided this is the time of the day they're going to wrestle and wrestle really loudly i'll try to mute myself but um on the times i'm talking it might be a little bit hard so you will hear oberon and Otto in the background um but yes, yeah, sarah again thank you so much for for joining me we've kind of gone back and forth for a little over like two or three weeks trying to find a time to uh get a time scheduled to do this interview so i'm finally i'm glad it's finally happening Thanks. I
1: think that's like encapsulates working in the beer industry in general, right? Something always comes up. Schedules always change. Um, but I appreciate your flexibility as well, because it's been both of us having things right. occur. So it's always, always like, exciting.
0: Gonna oh, I'm definitely going to leave the taproom by like 7, 7.30 tonight. And then you look down, it's like 8.30 and you're like, okay, yeah, <laughs> did not leave. Still, I've been here 11 hours, almost 12. I think I should leave now, though. Totally always something comes up or you just get busy doing something and um, you can't leave. So, but uh, I'm sure a lot of people listening understand that, but we'll go ahead and, you know, get jumped, get right in um, to the questions. Um, So like I mentioned in the introduction, you co-founded Elsewhere Brewing in Atlanta um, with your husband, Sam, um, in October, 2020. But first of all, tell people a little bit about Elsewhere if they aren't familiar with it.
1: Yeah. So my, the journey starts A little while quite a while back like everyone's does
0: we will get into that that is definitely part of it but
1: basically we're um we are a brewery and we have a restaurant attached to us here in grant park it's like the south part of atlanta um and we obviously did not plan on being a pandemic baby brewery (laughs) but uh that's (laughs) those are the cards we're dealt so we spent kind of the last year um working on our beer program and learning, figuring out what people really have liked to drink um, here in Atlanta. Uh, That's something that's always unique to different markets and even within the city of Atlanta, depending on where you're at, some people are asking for nothing but IPAs and stouts. Um, By us, fortunately, we are able to brew a lot of lagers and lower ABV beers, which is great because that's what we like to drink. Um, but there's a lot of like young professionals and young families in our neighborhood. So fortunately that's kind of what our beer program has become. And then for food wise, um, we wanted to create um, a different type of menu that wasn't your typical pub food of wings and burgers and stuff. So we kind of came at our food program with more of an angle of like Um, wholesome we call them shareable dishes so things that think like larger tapa style dishes where people can come together and truly kind of have like a uh, like a public house community experience of spending hours drinking beer together and having kind of dishes all from we reference elsewhere quite a bit but themes of elsewhere that kind of come out from our food of flavors from all over the the world um, so you have to kind of have a full experience of not being, a, our goal is to not get you to, to get you to not leave.
0: <laughs> I, f- I think I just got what your name comes from, if I'm correct, that basically all your ideas come from elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're I'm, big travelers. It just clicked. It just clicked. Yes. yes.
1: And kind of our, our journeys over the past few years before opening the brewery um, were to make up the experience of our brewery. So our beer program has beer inspiration from all over the world, like a lot of breweries do, because beer is, you know, originated not from from here, of course, um, but also our food and our atmosphere and aesthetic and brand as well. So everything's like kind of a culmination of things that we've fallen in love with and that we know people love as well from other places. So that's how you get
0: elsewhere. Right. So we'll, we'll, what I like to do is kind of, I like to go back from the very beginning. Um, so you didn't start working out in the brewing industry until, but a little bit later you were um, living out in Tacoma, Washington. I I do my research. (laughs) (laughs) And then you were working at um, a marketing firm, you know, a small branding firm or whatever. And I think you said you were, that you were traveling to Seattle every day from Tacoma how far of a drive is that
1: oh man so I learned that the worst traffic in the country is not (laughs) Atlanta which people claim to say it's actually in Seattle uh because there's only like like two major highways that come from the north and the south and one that comes in from west and everybody is traveling to one place to work which is Seattle and I my husband and I shared a vehicle so I would take public trans in and it would take two hours on a bus to go 30 minutes or 30 30 miles sorry wow. 30 miles each way every day so I was spending like four hours on a bus for a very low paying salary and putting my head through the wall working with you know office culture which was new to me because I grew up in hospitality mm-hmm. um, that was kind of my first real office gig. And I heard about you, I was listening to your podcast earlier, first one, I think you went through a little bit of that as Mm -hmm. well, learning how different it is from uh, the beer and bar industry.
0: Yeah, I'm not a person who can sit still very long. So a desk job was not my thing. So I definitely relate to that. And I couldn't imagine I didn't commute. (laughs) I I was a very short distance to my job. So I couldn't imagine two hours on a bus in addition to also sitting at a desk job.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You got to live like right next to your office, I think to, in order to, you know, maximize that
0: time of sitting, you know? So that's what you did. You got a job very close to your, where you lived, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I was
1: debating, it was the commute. It was also like just office culture was really different for me and, there was a brewery that was well known in um, the Puget Sound area called Seven Seas Brewing, and they were opening a second location. And my husband at the time had, like, he was getting out of the military. Um, Our initial plan was to, for him to retire, well, not retire, but just finish up his commitment with the military and to move to New York after. And I was planning on moving up my way in the branding firm world. And he was probably going to to get into consulting and go to business school, but he actually got into a parachuting accident with the army and that kind of just changed everything. It was like a moment of what do we actually want to do in life? What, what feels worth it? So at the time I was like, I don't see myself ever growing a love for this sort of office culture And him at the same time was just wanting freedom. A lot of people are in the military and transition into like the most militant uh, career path outside of the army, which is a lot of Wall Street and consulting and that sort of thing. And he was just like, I absolutely do not want to do that. So I was like, wild idea, this job that took me so long to get, why don't I leave it and go put my toe in the water in the beer industry? Because we had fallen out in love with beer out on the West Coast. Um, When I left Chicago, which is where I'm from, the beer industry was much bigger than a lot of places, but it still was not, um, it was not what it is today. So we moved to the West Coast. It was obviously peaked there first. This is back in like 2015, um and so we were exposed to this whole new like world of beer and so i had never worked in a brewery before but i worked at sports bars fine dining restaurants italian pizza like i've worked every place bar and club wise and i hadn't worked in the brewery and so i'm like why don't i just go get a gauge of what this is like um we knew we kind of wanted to get into entrepreneurship and i knew i wanted it to be in hospitality but we didn't know what um so i I took a job there, um, helping manage and my world was just open to like the people that worked in beer and the kind of customers that liked beer. It was just so much more easygoing and lighthearted and people, I found people to be so much nicer than, um, than the other liquor industries had attracted, you know, versus like cocktail bars or whiskey bars or wine bars, which had like attracted more of like, high maintenance uh, or, you know, sometimes pretentious customers. And I just didn't find a lot of that in beer at the most. You got some like, you know, beer snob that wanted to geek out over like what type of hops and yeast you use, but, um, that was manageable. So yeah, I, I worked there for, um, I think a little bit, I think we're about a year and my husband also was working with another brewery called Narrows Brewing out in Tacoma. And he was kind of learning more about the the technical brewing side of things. Like you, I am not a numbers and a science person. So I was very much more interested on like the hospitality and um, you know, serving beer side and the nuances of that versus the back end. So my husband was learning the back end, I was learning the front end and we were like, yo, we love this industry. Like we should try and do something in it. Um And my husband was from Georgia, and so we would go out and visit his family in 2016. And at the time, there were, like, two notable breweries out here. Um, Sweetwater hadn't been bought out yet, and that was, like, the big one out here. And then Creature Comforts was really, like, the main notable one. And I think Monday Night Brewing was open, too. And um, we just saw so much opportunity because they're, like, compared to Washington State, where there are 300, there were, like, less right. than 10. And then in 2017, the law changed here in Georgia, where in the past, uh, you couldn't sell beer directly to customers, you had to sell tickets on a brewery tour. And that ticket, <laughs> you know, was so, so illogical, so right? So they changed that law to where you could open a tap room. And we were uh, kind of light bulb went off. I was like, I would never I said I would never move to the south. But to start, you know, this kind of venture, it just made the most sense. There were friends and family here willing to support and market opportunity and at the time, more affordable uh, real estate. Now, not so much, but, um, yeah, there was, there was some opportunity there. So that, that kind of became the new like goal was to open a brewery in Atlanta.
0: But before you did that, you guys traveled, um, a lot, um internationally you went to obviously North America South America and Europe um so was the decision to open a brewery before traveling or after and then that's you wanted to get some inspiration so you traveled um to learn about what kind of brewery you wanted to open yes what came <laughs> the first the
1: second thing you mentioned so um my my thing was with so I noticed an opportunity in the beer industry coming from a branding background. I noticed that um, breweries, not just here in Georgia, but really across the whole country, kind of lacked, like, one lacked, like, warm and fuzzy vibes. Like, everything at the time was very warehouse, very garage-like, and that branding wasn't very strong. And so I saw me having, like, a love for branding. I was like, okay, that's what I would like to put out in the world is a beer brand, like, a gender-neutral beer brand with... um, just done really well. And so to put together a good brand, there has to be a good story and good roots to that brand. And so I convinced my husband that, uh, (laughs) that we should backpack around the world to develop the story. Um, I grew up in a family of like no travelers and never really had a big opportunity to do so. And I think that made me really curious about it. And my husband on the flip side, uh his kind of traveled everywhere because he was in the military and he was stationed in Italy and just spent a lot of time out there. So he was kind of over traveling. And so I had to kind of sell him that this would be good for the business uh, to do so. But it, it worked out because he was writing at the time for... Um, he was writing like a little bit with hop culture and backpacker magazine. And I was like, well, you could start a blog. We could start a blog and this would be a good way to meet with a lot of brewery owners and brewmasters in a casual way to like, like you, I'm like, can we interview you and learn more about your culture, about your business, how it grew? Cause we just figured we could just collect a ton of research and, you know, kind of get the best common themes from everything. Like what is that working really well? And uh, like, why have these um, tap rooms in Germany been around for a century, you know, like kind of finding out the best parts of everything and taking that and trying to recreate our own thing here in Georgia. So he started a a blog. Um, We decided we were going to travel for like a year and a half. Um, Sam with his accident, had a little bit of like a medical retirement that we could like survive off of. Um, I saved enough money up to just cover my student loan payments because those are really large and really fun, right? And you can't just put those on hold. Um, yeah. Well thankfully now, now
0: they're on hold. But they're they're very close I, to not being I know. on hold anymore. And
1: I'm really not looking forward to those payments again. Me neither. Because with what I pay myself I cannot afford them. But um, so, yeah, I, I, we saved up enough money and kind of just lived really minimally. And for our travels, one, the first part was a little bit of play. We spent um, six months living out of our truck and just kind of traveling and amongst national parks in, um on the West and backpacking those and hitting up some of like some of the best breweries in the country are out there. So we did a little bit of that um, over six months. And then from there, we went to Mexico and South America cause no one knew anything about it. Like you would Google nothing. There were no articles written about it. There was no information. And so that was kind of more of like an interesting thing that we're like, well, we're curious. Um, we could be some of the first people to like write about this. They were brewery owners were very interested in exposing themselves to like American readers. So we uh, our plan was to go to Mexico City, and uh, I don't know if you remember this is back in 20, 2017, A massive earthquake happened in Mexico City, and like the city was shut down. So literally, like two weeks before we were supposed to go, we changed course and we went to Oaxaca, Mexico instead, which ended up being really great because it was a very like it, as big as the city it is in Mexico. It's like very. Intimate and kind of quiet and very safe. And we met like a ton of artists and people that actually had affiliations with um, brewery owners in South America. So, kind of how our trip worked all throughout South America is we would meet people in Mexico that had friends in Colombia. So, we'd go to Colombia and then see their brewery and learn about it. And then they'd be like, oh, well, you have to stop in like Argentina. And these people were also like, you can stay with my family in these places. So it was like a great, um, just like an all around really cool cultural experience learning about not just beer, but people and hospitality in in these other countries. And also like South America is kind of an intimidating country to Mm -hmm. travel around if you don't know Spanish very well. So definitely leaning on connections we had was like super important to us because my husband didn't know, like, he knew like zero Spanish and he's like you, very fair skinned and blonde. So he sticks out kind of like a sore thumb, uh, <laughs> there. So, um, yeah, we made our way around there for, for six months and then we kind of reassessed our money situation. Cause we initially wanted to go <laughs> to New Zealand and Australia, but that was, was like a really expensive jump going from South American budget to there. So we decided to go to just skip over to Europe instead, which actually like traveling in Europe um, is actually very affordable if you're doing it on the cheap. Like beers are a dollar and you can go get like a pretzel or a brat for $3. So you can live pretty minimally out there. So in Europe, what we did though is to save money on lodging is we, we did these house sets where we would trade our services of watching like their pets and house for free and we would and then we would just stay there rent
0: free. Interesting.
1: Yeah, never heard about that. Yeah, it was an awesome way to travel and that that kind of dictated our route through through Europe because in South America the craft beer industry when we went there five, four years ago now, the craft beer industry out there felt like what craft beer felt like here in the eighties. So like very new, like breweries were brewing on like one barrel homebrew systems for like a whole tap room. It was just, it was crazy. And so that is kind of what I think about back when, you know, like Sierra Nevada is getting their brewery off the ground. And so everyone was very eager to talk to us. Whereas in Europe, when you're contacting like the owner (laughs) of someone that like has been brewing here for like a hundred years, they're like, cool. Like some people really were really sweet and interested to talk to us, but like a lot of people didn't respond to us. So we had to kind of lean on um, finding our own opportunities versus in South America, everyone just wanted to connect us with Mm -hmm. everyone. So our first, fortunately our first um, house sitting opportunity was in a little town called Zutendal in Belgium. Unfortunately, Belgium is such a tiny country that, like, we could just road trip, the, right. you know, from anywhere. We could we we're staying at this house for a week, and you could go, you know, an hour in any direction and have like access to everything in its route. So, um, yeah, we spent like four months in Europe, and that was kind of where we really developed like how we wanted our um, like our, our place to feel like going into these really old um, Mm -hmm. beer cafes and German beer houses that have been around forever. And it's like, why do people come back to this place every week for their entire lives? It's like, well, they make like eight Pilsner and half of Weizen that you cannot get sick of, you know, (laughs) like they make beers that, go down like water and have mm-hmm. the perfect amount of flavor and balance between those two. So for us, it was like super important to have our beers drink that way. The majority of our, our beer program to drink that way um, and sprinkle in, you know, a bunch of American styles that people, you know, obsess over like hazy IPAs and sours mixed <laughs> into it. You know, you got to have something for everyone. Um, unfortunately, yeah, yes, you do. <laughs> have Totally. Of those. Um, and then our food program kind of initially was inspired um, from our time in in South America, and a lot of our space um, has kind of like a South American feel. We had um, a mutual friend in Mexico, like make all of our furniture and ship it up, and another mutual friend um, did like a hand painted mosaic tile that became a piece of our a huge piece of our tap room. So kind of like you know our name elsewhere is kind of like I said all these little like bits and pieces and connections from all over the place that kind of just marry in um together so yeah it it was a it was great it was crazy it was a crazy 12 months um traveling through Europe and South America that kind of I think really helped us mentally prepare for starting to open a business because it's like living so minimally and it it right. looks it's funny because like both of these things kind of can look glamorous to some people. Um, but really like it's really both things were both very difficult and rough and very stressful and didn't feel glamorous, like you know, ninety ninety-nine percent of the time. So we got back and and walked down many avenues of getting the business plan going. What do partnerships look like? Initially my husband and I were gonna have a partnership with multiple people and our visions didn't line up. And that was like a big thing for me was I didn't want to sacrifice like this, this story that we had come to create. And so we ended up ditching those um, business partners, which we had like not officially signed on, but like throughout our whole travels, like it was planned on joining them. And then uh, we walked down another Avenue of potentially, filling in for an owner that was selling their business. But again, that wasn't what we wanted and that didn't work out. And then we were just kind of, we had a moment where like, wait a minute, like the bank will lend to just us two. Cause there's this thing, like, I mean, I was 28 at the time and I'm like, no one's going to give us a loan. Like to open a (laughs) business. We're too young. Like they're going to think we're freaking nuts. Um, but then we found out they would, and we're like, well, why the hell would we, like, we can make all the decisions we want and not have to sacrifice anything that we're talking about. So we signed our life away to a really big loan, and we found a space in this part of Atlanta in a neighborhood that really resonated with us. It's, uh, Grant Park has like a very Pacific Northwest, crunchy farmer's market type feel, which we love. Um, and uh, yeah, we spent I think we signed the lease in May of 2019. So it took us like a year and a few months um, to get our doors open.
0: Uh, first of all, I love that you described it as crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad like I've that. ever heard that word. <laughs> just like a part of like a city described as crunchy but I really I really like that so um that's that great i it resonates uh, but uh I just wanted to go back uh real quick um you know you spent you said you were in South America Mexico Colombia anywhere else Ar- Argentina,
1: Any Argentina Chile Peru I think that's it. South America, as I learned, like I thought that we could travel around South America like we could in North America. Have you been? I've been to both Costa Rica and Peru. Uh, It's like, no, there's no trains. Bus rides take Mm -mm. like days. They're scary. And they're they're scary. And we looked into like getting flights. We're like, oh, we'll just like fly from like Peru to Argentina. And it's like, that's going to be $800 one way. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. what? I love how I realized this (laughs) after I got there. Like you'd think that I would have known that before, uh, like done that research. But so we took a lot of long, sketchy bus rides. We took like a four day Mm. bus ride going from like, Chile to to fly out to peru because to get back to the united states it was like the cheapest to fly out of lima to get to atlanta but we were gonna like Mm -hmm. break the bank if we had done it any other way right so yeah and then i learned too like like first class on their buses is really like 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 probably economy like equivalent, you know? And then I learned like like no, like their second class or their third class is like you're sitting like next, you're it's rough. You're it is there is a tier of of class that doesn't exist here in travel. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if you've heard of um like the chicken buses that like literally you can ride like, on a bus with, like, caged animals, like, that's the cheapest way to ride. Like, that exists. Like, you can do that. But thankfully,
0: we yeah. did not ever have to do that.
1: <laughs> Which we, we didn't do. We didn't do. But we had met people that had told us about, like, if you want a cheap way to do it. And I was like, if I was 21 or 22, sure. But, like, late 20s, like, no, I'm going to just pay for it.
0: <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't say anything about guinea pigs because I know in Peru. <laughs> But that's their thing is the guinea pigs. I didn't come
1: across any, but I also wasn't in Peru long enough, but uh, that would be really interesting to, to stumble upon a guinea pig experience.
0: So what was one, you know, if you remember one thing from just South America, um, whether it was talking to a brewery owner and an experience or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, what, you know, tell me about one of that one story.
1: Um, I think memory. the place that, so most breweries in South America were kind of like as I was telling you they were on you know one barrel systems they had crazy health regulations like you would go into these these breweries and people would be in like white suits head to toes with goggles (laughs) brewing on a little one barrel system because that because that's how the government like treated it the government was like I don't know. I don't know why they thought beer manufacturing was such a weird foreign thing. So,
0: so I just finished like Narcos okay. the latest season. So all my mind just goes like, like, like the drug yeah,
1: that's, what yeah. it, that's what it looked like. It was so weird. Um, but so all of those breweries were kind of on that same level, but then we got to, um, we were in Buenos Aires, uh, in Argentina and we had heard about this brewery called strange brew. And it was, uh, which I love the name. Um, and they're (laughs) everything about them is weird, but super cool. Um, they're like (laughs) guys probably in their young thirties when we met them. And one guy, I think they were both from Argentina and they had went and met a friend like in from Norway and they came together and opened up this, this brewery in, in Argentina. And, it was definitely like it was the best beer we had. Um, definitely mm-hmm. doing modern beer styles like you know IPAs, right. which and doing them really well. And they uh, they just had like an interesting story. Like they came together. They weren't from Argent. They were from Argentina at one point, I believe, and then moved away and then came back to open because there weren't a lot of good breweries. And the area and they were brewing I think on like a 15 barrel system so they were definitely out of like craft beer um like the most advanced um and
0: and I bet they were benefiting a lot from the tourism that Buenos Aires gets of you know like skiing and all that stuff I think
1: and yeah but mostly like it was a lot of just cool like young Argentines like hanging out in there um and like I said just bring really good beer and I mean their logo is like awesome I think is like a dog having sex with a raccoon like it's really weird but it works and it was in a really cool like the architecture there is so old and it was just in this massive building that you think from you know is falling apart but you walk in and it's like an art you know their architectural features I just
0: I'm sorry I just (laughs) (laughs)
1: like it's it's ridiculous but it kind of it's like that's hilarious yeah it's
0: the raccoon and the dog yeah <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. I thought I thought I I didn't think you were wrong. You're I, like, just, I need to, I don't I need know. to I just like look to... at
1: this totally.
0: And they have a lot of raccoons yeah. on their Instagram. Yeah. It's Tuck. interesting. Very very yeah, strange. For sure.
1: Very strange. Strange brew uh strange brewing,
0: right? Strange Brewing? Or is that their name? Um well I just uh strange hold on what, what is... strange, strange Brewing Brewing, yes. Okay. Um, but that,
1: yeah, I think that was like the most unique experience. And again, it was like refreshing to see people like our age doing this because as we traveled around everywhere, I think most people that get into this business, you know, are a little bit older because they have more money, Mm -hmm. they have more connections, they have more experience. Um, so yeah, that it it resonated with us because it was like, oh, we're doing something totally different, but kind of the same in like the tools and experience that we have. Um, So yeah, that was, that was pretty cool.
0: And then, like I said about South America, what was one interview experience in Europe that really resonated Um, with you?
1: I had, man, now I need to like, just, I feel bad that I don't remember the brewery name. Um, Man, this is going to kill me if I can't figure out. Um, But I, uh, we met, this woman, she had a chateau and brewery, um, really close to Zutendal. Um, I need to figure out the name. I'm googling it right now.
0: Zutendal Brewery. It's, she was
1: so wonderful. I think her name was M- Mieke. She was one of the few owners um, that like had agreed to to meet with us. Oh, it's called. I think it's called Ter Dolan. T E R. Um, D-O-L-E-N. Um, so I met this woman and she like invited us in. I didn't know, like, I, I didn't learn that like Mike is like, I think it's predominantly like a woman's name. And I think she was from, she's on the border of like uh, the Netherlands and Belgium. And that's like a common woman's name. From over there, and so we we and I was surprised to found, to learn she was a woman woman because she like had this beautiful old historic brewery, and we learned that she um had, I believe she'd opened it with her husband initially, but her husband and her divorced, and she was like running this whole thing. And she came from like a family of brewers, and just like the history of like in Europe, like that doesn't really happen here in the United States. Where we like my father was, a, my grandfather was a brewer, my father was a brewer, my great grandfather was a brewer because beer is still so new here. Um, so she had this amazing story, and then she was just running this like gorgeous terraced castle brewery and like the hills of like this tiny part of Belgium and just kind of like living life like a boss like she just had her like boyfriend over on the side and she's in her 40s and she just was like living the chateau behind her house and like I think thought it was so cool to see like an older woman so successful in beer and could attribute everything to like herself and what she would built for it and Again, I I just, not yet. It's going to happen eventually here. And I'm sure there's women out here that are at that point in beer. Uh, We just don't hear about them enough, which is why you're here to talk about them. (laughs) Um, But that really resonated with me and how she was also so warm and welcoming and willing to spend her time with us. Um, I think that part, as I become more acquainted with business ownership in this industry, I just learned like time is so valuable and there's not enough of it. Mm-hmm. And for someone to take the time to speak with two Americans that, you know, I know she has plenty to do. Right. Um, that like was super meaningful. And I was like, this is great. Like this is why I think this is why more women moving into beer is more important because they understand how important those things are. And it was just kind of a really mm-hmm. lovely thing to see and witness and go, you know, someone running something as successful as this is still very willing to take the time and meet with us newbies and talk about it.
0: Yeah. It's, is it T E R D O L E N? Yes. yes I, I found it and it also is very pretty. Yeah. The that you're talking about as well. Very cool. Um, so you get back to Atlanta. I believe you lived with your um, husband's parents then, for a while to open open the um, the brewery. So when the pandemic hit, uh, did anything change? Did you guys push back your uh, start date, or was you just gonna let's just keep going the process and we'll open when we open? Yeah. So
1: there was kind of a series of challenges, even like prior to the pandemic hitting is I've never thought of like most people that open businesses do it in an area where they like, know everybody. And they are like, well, connected in the industry. And when we got to Georgia, I was like, I don't know anybody here. So for, as we were writing our business plan in, um, my in-laws basement, we both got bartending jobs at breweries here in the city So that we could like meet people, learn things about local beer here and start to like build those connections. Cause um, yeah, it's hard. Like little things of who does, who can we trust to install draft lines? Who's a good realtor? Like there's so many things that go into it that require like knowing good people. So that was, um, that was a big challenge for us. And then when the pandemic hit, we were both, furloughed from our bartending jobs and fortunately the one thing that happened that we lucked out on was that we got our building permit approved like two days like it was like two days or two weeks I don't remember right before the pandemic hit because construction was seen as like an essential business during that time even though the city was not seen as that the city workers approving it were not essential, but the construction workers were. So we had gotten the permits approved, which is the biggest thing and the most time consuming. So construction went like in supply chain issues, weren't a thing yet. So we had our materials, we had our builders Um, in three months, like pretty much on the dot, they were done. And then when we needed other people like city workers to like approve, liquor licenses and everything related to legal that requires us to have our construction first. That's when like the shit show began of like, we couldn't get a fire inspector out. Uh, we couldn't get anybody to tell us anything about liquor licensing. Like we went, they, like the city didn't say a thing for like four months. Like you would call them and no one would answer. And I'm like, I don't know who to contact here. And I would call like our, our local representative And they would be like, I don't know, they say they're open. And I'm like, will you call them because no one's answering for me. So we it got to a point where we like drove down to our city municipal building, it was like 20 minutes south in the middle of nowhere. And we're like knocking on the door of like some security guards, like, what do you want? And I'm like, I don't know who I'm asking for, or what like who to talk to. But like, my city councilwoman says, you're open, are you open? And they're like, we're not open. And I'm like, can I have some names of somebody to talk to? And cause I was like, it, we were starting to panic. We were running out of funds quickly because at this point we were paying our brewmaster salary. Um, we were paying our chef's salary. We were paying, we'd been paying rent for six months now and our, we had a final cushion of money that would come to us once the liquor license was approved. So it was like, we need this thing approved like today. And so finally, this sparked some conversation, I think, amongst the city government, and they finally opened it back up. And when they opened it back up, they had a huge stack of applicants before us. So after like nagging a lot of people talking to some lobbyists, um, I mean, it came down to like, if we like our rent was due, and our landlord was not really cutting us any slack. And I was like, like he's like, I'm going to send you an eviction notice if you can't get rent to me in like the next week. And we were like, I don't well, are we gonna close our doors before we even open? Like we're all finished, we're all new, we're all ready, beer's brewed, but we're gonna close down because the city won't. So what we were what we were going to do is we're like, all right, if they don't give it to us, we're just gonna start getting fined daily and like we'll just pay those fines like later. But fortunately, we had like we so our liquor license got moved to the mayor's desk and that's like the final thing. And someone had recommended like hitting up mayor Keisha Lance Bottom on like Instagram. And they're like, if you can get like a hundred people to like DM her and like tag her about it, she'll probably sign it. So
0: we have like the, 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 the week. Where... <laughs> that is so like 2020, like Instagram. It's, so like, it's
1: so ridiculous. Right. So that's what we did, and you know what? It got signed, and we didn't have the physical paper. I don't even know if we have the physical liquor license because their printer broke right after they approved us. But we're like, whatever, we're opening. The city's a shit oh, show. Gosh. So uh, yeah, we that was the big. The city was the biggest holdup, um, which is ironic because we're mm. like, we're just trying to give you our tax dollars.
0: Like, <laughs> um, right? That's gosh. I think if I take anything away from this interview, it's that you had to email or DM yeah. the mayor yeah, on Instagram. It like, that's how, it's, it's a good idea though, if you want to get something to happen. Just love up social, on social media
1: because phone calls and knocking on doors won't do it, but social media messaging will. Um,
0: so you officially opened in October, yes. correct, of 2020, and we're, that's still full on yeah, pandemic. It was, it so was hard. You Was it limited capacity? Yeah, we opened at a limited capacity.
1: Um, Thank God we had some patio space because that's really where everyone, you know, was comfortable sitting. So um, we feel like, you know, this whole pandemic has been a roller coaster of like people are getting more comfortable and then all of a sudden there's a spike and no one's comfortable, you know, Mm -hmm. rightfully so. And so we went back and forth with that like several times. And it was it was really hard, like for our grand opening weekend, like you want to be the most packed you'll ever see your place. And right. that was so hard to, we had to like, kind of like not, not talk about it to the point where we're like, all right, we're going to have too many people. But Right. <laughs> the first night we opened was, was crazy. Um, and we were also like, Oh my God, is this safe? Is this okay? Like, so we had to juggle right. that thing. And then um, the next day, it was like pouring rain, which was terrible, like on our actual grand opening. <laughs> so we're like, everyone's trying to come in. We're turning people away because like, you know, capacity. So that was, that was you know, bittersweet. Um, and then the winter hit and we had all those spikes. And then it was like, people were sitting fortunately it doesn't get that cold like probably similar to it's colder by you guys for sure but um yeah but people were like just wanting to sit on the patios um so it was the fight that every other brewery was doing fighting for propane tanks and those shitty heaters that don't (laughs) keep anyone warm and um, yep. yeah, we, we dealt with that. And finally, it was funny. We like ordered these like giant industrial heaters that like hang from above and they cover our whole patio. We ordered them as soon as we realized this was an issue. Like, so in October and they were installed in like April, <laughs> right <laughs> when it gets warm here again. Everyone's very warm on our patio now. Um, but yeah, it's just funny The Like that's, that's when logistics of everything really you know, hit the fan. Um, so yeah, we've just been riding the waves like everybody else with like the variant masks on masks off. Um, and just trying to just trying to survive, you know, um, people, people look at us and they're like, Oh my gosh, like you're so busy. You're having events all the time. And, uh, I have to like explain to them. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Things are, things are going well, but, we're like still climbing out of like a really dark hole of all those months of rent that was supposed to be in our savings. We blew. So now when we have these months of spikes and the variant and whatnot, um, you know, we, we need like, we need as much customers as possible. just to pay rent and just to sustain. So when we have slow days or slow weeks, uh, it like really hits hard. So hopefully this winter looks different.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Finger, <laughs> I'm not getting that because who the hell knows with this thing. Yeah, we and we have like the brewery I work at. We, we don't really have outdoor uh. seating, and not a, can't put heaters out there because we're right on the street. So I'm just like, please and, please, and not just let's just yeah, kind of stay where we are, virus wise, and not get any worse. I don't care if we stay here. I just yeah. we can't get worse because we have our outdoor seating area is just non not something we could ever like and
1: and what's hard for for you is like if you've got a good staff and you're trying to retain them you need to make sure that they're like making Mm -hmm. enough money um so when you don't have that customer flow it's not
0: i'm sure it's something you think about but it's, it's it's it would be a hard decision and i'm i'm hopeful that that won't happen. I think we're kind of yes. past that. Thankfully. I, I like
1: to hope there's gotta be so hope, right? We gotta have
0: hope one. that we're past that. Right. So. Um, so one of the things that I want to touch or talk to you about is, which I think is really interesting is you have a community supported brewery program, which you, which, would you say is similar to a community supported agriculture program, yeah. which helps support local farms. Yours is essentially helping support you all. Was this an idea that you had before the pandemic or was this a result uh, kind of, of a
1: combination? Pandemic? So I, when I lived in Chicago, um, I would go to Beguile Brewing uh, there in like the North side of Chicago and they had one. And I always loved that idea. And for us, when we were in this pinch of like, we have no money. Well, I should also say our model was quite different. Our planned model was supposed to be purely direct to customer taproom sales. We did not plan to distribute. We did not plan to do much to go beer. It was supposed to be mainly um, profiting off of like taproom sales. So when the pandemic hit that model didn't really work <laughs> anymore. So right, we needed to buy a canning line and order to just keep it going because so many customers just at the time were only doing carryout and wanted to support us and didn't want to dine in. So, um, I knew I wanted to put that, um, CSB program in place at some point, but I was like, this is a, this is the time to do it. So I kind of pitched it as everyone that is contributing is helping us raise money for a canning line. Um, and Mm -hmm. it hadn't really been done in Georgia. I know it's done all over the place outside of here. Um, And so it was new to people. Again, we're in that crunchy farmer's market area where people love, you know, CSA (laughs) programs. And so it was a good way, especially in the peak of, there were so many Kickstarters going on at this time because there were people that were losing their homes. There were people that were closing businesses, closing their doors that had been open for 20 years, that were everyone's neighborhood, local family joint. There were tons of Black Lives Matter fundraising things going on to help support that community. So it felt like super insensitive to open, to do a Kickstarter being like, can Mm -hmm. you give us money to like help us start our brewery? I know our life sucks. Uh, You know, I felt that way. And so I was like, how could we do something that would be an actual like exchange? Like you're just not giving us money. You're one investing in your community, but you're also like getting, you're getting product out of this at a discounted rate. Mm -hmm. And we had about like 150 people that I've never met spend hundreds of dollars on these memberships, which was absolutely incredible. It helped us raise 20 grand to help buy our canning line.
0: Yeah. So kind of go into the, yeah, go into the details of what the membership is. Exactly. When we started,
1: we offered six months or 12 month increments of uh, basically like beer supply, So people could pay for, a membership that would cover one growler a month or two growlers a month and the same for cans. And basically they paid for it at like a fifth. If you were to do the math, it'd come to like 15% or 20% discount on every package total. Um, So in addition to that, it's like you get uh, first releases to all like um, new beer releases, merch releases, like a couple days in advance, you get to buy that you get to buy all that. Uh, you get 10% off all those things all the time, even if it's outside of your allotment and then first access to like, uh, beer dinner tickets and events we have again, all at a discounted rate. So it's like, if you want to do one of these things, it's great. It like pays for itself after, you know, this, the savings, um, so, yeah, we just kind of – because we wanted to – at the time, as I was saying, we still didn't really have – Sam and I didn't really have, like, our own community of people yet. And I know there's a lot of people our age when they move to a new mm-hmm. city. Like, Atlanta is a very transplant-heavy city that want to have ways that aren't weird to meet people like them, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah. we thought this would be, like, a good way. So it acted function as, like, a few things. Like, actually, like, a community um, program and also – Supporting your local water, local watering hole, and um, also yeah, just getting a lot of beer at a good discount. But it's just funny because nobody I know. I've heard I was reading, I was listening to your Lady Justice Brewing podcast, and she, they did the same thing, and I was laughing because. Uh, they said the same thing I say where it's like all these people committed to buying beer that they had no idea what it tasted like. (laughs) So to spend like $300 on beer and get it and be like, right, well, this is one for the sink, you know, all 24 packs, like that would suck. But half the people didn't even like half the people that bought, I shouldn't say half, I'd say like 15% of the people that bought these like never even came to pick it up. It was just like a pure donation, which was really sweet. So that's the kind of community we live in, which is right. really, we're really lucky. The very, the, crunchy, the very crunchy community. community. community yes.
0: <laughs> so you've talked a lot about your travels and you've kind of briefly mentioned it, but your, your tap room is curated, you know, the actual space is curated based, based on your travels in Europe. And the menu is very Argent- Argentinian. Uh, yeah, Argentinian, you're Ar- right. Ar- Ar- Which is, Argentinian. I'm sorry. I should
1: interject, it has changed so much from that. Yeah, we started with Change. that. We had a friend um, in Argentina who actually helped write the menu. And as we brought it back here, people loved it. Um, but the chefs that we had mm-hmm. had brought on were just kind of like, they felt wrong cooking a style of cuisine that they didn't really have experience cooking. Um, like it felt, it felt fake to them and I didn't want them to feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. doing something, you know, it's like giving an artist like a canvas, but telling them everything what to paint and not letting them paint their own thing. And so with that in mind, we were kind of like, you know what, like, let's do like flavors that you're comfortable with, but all over the place. And, and that kind of gave us so much more room to play too, not cornerstoning us into a certain type of, um. Style of cuisine, so um, our current chef Tyler has kind of taken his like Mississippi roots and done a little bit with that, but also taken you know a lot of flavors that from like Latin America and Asia, uh, and kind of mm-hmm. blended all this stuff together. Which is which is fun because um, it just kind of leaves things limitless and always something new. And and uh, there's so like you can pair you, as you know, like you can pair any food with beer. Um, so it's really fun to get into these Mm -hmm. flavor pairings of like, um, you know, Asian cuisine or Indian cuisine that bring a lot of crazy flavor into pairing with, um, you know, some of our different beers. It's just, it's more interesting. Do you all change uh, your yes. menu regularly?
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: see, see, Regular, regularly. Regularly. That was, that was very th- um, tough to season, say. Yeah. Seasonally. Yeah, we do. We try and use, um, like in the summer, yeah. we have a lot of access to like good Georgia produce. So that kind of dictates what dishes we're mm-hmm. putting on. Um, and then when the fall comes, yeah, basically trying to stay in season with, um, with we do, we have like a lot of vegetable heavy dishes and then also like going lighter in the summer. Yeah. I'm looking at your
0: menu and it's, <laughs> it's making me very hungry looking at your menu.
1: Oh, good. I'm a vegetarian,
0: so I like to see yeah. menus with uh, heavy We've veggies, actually, heavy it's kind of options. funny. We've, We've like had awesome. to
1: add more meat options because people were like, can you put more meat on here? Which is funny because usually you hear like, <laughs> can you put more like vegetarian or vegan dishes on here? So, but people, right. it's it's good. to, I mean, it's nice to have that. I mean, I think people appreciate going to breweries and like, you know, that have offer like healthy options. Um, and right, you know, yes. so healthy I but flavorful, like not just a salad, you know, or some raw veggies. So that's been nice because I think people come back to us more frequently because they feel like they can get it, like a wholesome meal and come a couple nights a week. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because I mean it's it's just nice to be able to go to a place I mean, we have a very we have a brew pub here that's very well known for its food. And it's just nice to go there and you're not just getting like definitely know, a burger or whatever. It's like I don't know, yeah. pumpkin curry, blah blah blah. Like and you're just like, This yeah. is what I want. I don't want to look in a menu. I mean, yes, pizza's great, burgers are great, but it's just like something that's different and, and good and wholesome and makes you want to come back again. And then they change their menu. So like, you know, after a while, if I don't know, or you just definitely. get excited for the new menu release. So they just released their, their fall menu. So to see a menu like that at a, at a brewery, it's what excites me. And it's like, makes me want to come oh, down and well, eat some of this cauliflower. <laughs> definitely do that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think for, uh, for us too, like on just people that stick with us, whether it's our management team or staff, like, I mm-hmm. never want things to feel stale to us. So if you've worked at a restaurant mm-hmm. or anyone's worked at a restaurant for like you know a year and the menu hasn't changed and the beer menu's the same and the food menu's the same, it's like hard to get excited about it. And the customers can feel that, right? Um, and it, like selfishly, like I just don't want to get sick of stuff. <laughs> I'm like, I would like to like have something <laughs> I'm always excited about to eat or drink. Um, so I think we try and we try and do that, you know, keep some of like the core beers. We have like a core series of beers that we won't ever change. And then mm-hmm. so it's like half of our beer menu always stays like six beers will always be on there, six to eight beers. And then there's like four or five beers that always change with the season. So.
0: Yeah. And then uh, kind of finishing with with the space itself, you mentioned it briefly earlier. You know, you walk into elsewhere and it's not like this warehouse, which a lot of breweries when, you know, this boom happened in 2015, 2016, just moved into these warehouses. It's, I mean, obviously I haven't been there, but through pictures, it looks like it's very carefully carefully curated of plants, white walls, tile. So talk about, and it seems like this is more inspired from your trip in Europe, correct? um, As I was mentioning, there's like a couple
1: influences like, well, it's cool because everyone walks in there and almost like has like a different connection with it. Like some people walk in and they're like, oh my God, this really reminds me of like the time I was in like Greece or this reminds me of like Santa Fe, which is super cool to hear like all these different people. Like it, we made the space to like resonate with people in that way. Like so many people in our generation love to travel, but a lot of us can't afford to do it all the time or don't have the time to do it. So the right. goal was to like create a space where people kind of feel like they're getting away in their neighborhood but they can't. So um I mean mm-hmm. I like there's just it's weird like it's literally like pieced together all over like tiles from uh Mexico and furnitures from Mexico but like the arches and plaster like on our back bar walls have like a very um mediterranean feel to it. Um mm-hmm like just make a place yeah. more lively. Like we just really wanted to create a cozy space. Um, like our mission, our mission statement is like to be a, like a public house type brewery, like a brewery public house, which is like a space that people mm-hmm. want to come in regularly daily and just feel at home at. And we tried I basically tried to create my dream home that I cannot afford to have myself, but that for, you know, for that to resonate with people and for them to enjoy. Right. So it's like comfortable lighting,
0: comfortable seating, um,
1: just nice atmosphere.
0: Were you really heavily involved in the the design and the, you know, the,
1: yeah, we had layout like of the space? amazing architects that basically just listened mm-hmm. and made it happen. I, I didn't have any real, like, occasionally I'd be like, that should be, what if we made that in the plaster instead of this? Like I had a couple <laughs> ideas, but they were like right. just the musical geniuses that took any tune I put out there and just like made it cohesive and make it look really good. So, um, and there are also like a, a, again, like a group of guys just a few years older than us. It was really cool to work with people in our age group. Um, because they just got, they got, they're right. our target demographic. So they knew how to design mm-hmm. a space for our generation that, you know, looking for a good local watering hole, which, you know, we go back and forth sometimes we're like, are people going for the Like, is it bad that people are coming here just for like the atmosphere and like the alcohol? Cause we do carry a little bit of spirits. And we're like, no, cause like we want it to be an experience based place that welcomed right. everyone. And I think that's a big that's a big thing in the beer industry where some people are like, well, I only want people coming in for lagers because that's what we do. Or some people are like, well, we only make like barrel aged mm-hmm. stouts and sours and this and that. And I think that's what we wanted to not be. We wanted to be like an all-inclusive space where if you have a couple friends that are gluten-free and can't drink beer, we wanted to offer them like vodka mm-hmm. and whiskey instead so that they can still all enjoy the space right. and it not be you know, a downer for anyone that doesn't enjoy beer or doesn't, you know, or can't drink it.
0: Yeah. I've never understood people who only like market to a certain demographic. We want kids in there. We have games. Um, we want older people. We have, you know, we don't carry, we don't have a liquor license, but we carry cider and we have wine on tap. So that's
1: great. That, there fills are that niche.
0: Yes. Totally. It, it it fills that need. And it's, you know, we have everything from lagers to sour smoothies, to hazies, to stouts on. So um, I think it's important just to make it feel welcome for every type of people. And it seems like you're doing that as well. Yeah.
1: I think that's so important. And I think that's, you know, what the beer industry like should, how we should be differentiating ourselves. As I was mentioning earlier, mm-hmm. like cocktail bars can be super stuffy, distilleries and wineries can be super stuffy. I think it's great that beer is like, the original like working man's drink that was right. like welcome to anyone who wanted to have it. And so that's why like we don't like our management team doesn't there's a couple of beers on that like we just don't drink. We're not interested in, in them, but we know so many people <laughs> love them. Yeah. So like we'll keep we'll keep brewing them. Like we made um there was this uh, rose IPA we made when we opened last year. Um and People like, I was like, it's, I appreciate the taste, but it's not for me. Mm-hmm. Yep. And people went crazy for it. And were like, you know what? We'll bring it back for breast cancer awareness month. We'll rebrand it, donate, mm-hmm. you know, proceeds to the foundations available and people went, they, they lost their shit for it. Like they, and it was gone. It was like, yep. we sold out of this beer in like two weeks. Um, it's just like you have, like you have to give the people what they want. Um, right? You know?
0: why, why not? Oh yeah, there's <laughs> there's definitely beers that I've had that we have on tap, that I'm like, don't like it. Not for me, but like it's our best selling beer, and I'm like, great. Yeah. That's why it's there. <laughs> I will just continue to drink our dry hopped pilsner. <laughs> Good choice. So,
1: Good choice.
0: Yeah, I'm a I'm a big pilsner person. So um, to see your all beer menu um, excites me because you don't see you don't see many pilsners in, especially core yeah. pilsners because obviously they take a lot more time to make. So totally. I always appreciate breweries that put in the effort to make really good loggers. I do
1: too. I do too.
0: So you just celebrated a one year anniversary last month. Um, so what's next for you all? What's, you know, is there anything coming up that you really want to, you know, talk about promote, or are you just going to keep kind of riding this wave of whatever the the pandemic brings at you?
1: yeah, so we we learned like there was kind of a lifestyle change that happened with the pandemic. Like people that used to go out for beers like three or four times a week casually now maybe only go out once. So we started leaning heavily on events, kind of to be like the special night out for whoever's whoever's going out. Um, so now, like it's crazy. We have. We have um, we've been doing like monthly bingo which has become a really big thing which I never thought would but people love it uh, like of all ages which is is great and it's like it's hilarious like we they're like a bunch of tchotchkes like are the prizes like it's but people people love it so we're having mm-hmm. we have like a monthly um, comedy night which a lot of breweries do um, but our space like has this really cozy cafe vibe at night so it's been a really great space um for when we're able to host these shows indoors because it's like really intimate and Mm -hmm. mostly candlelit we're doing a monthly drag brunch now which has Mm -hmm. been lit uh i never (laughs) i had dreamed of like bringing one in there but like some some queen like I don't know if you could see any of the, the photos. We have like a.
0: Was it the one where she's swinging from the, yes. the rafters? I was looking at your uh, your bar wall. Yeah, we
1: have like this floating roof that we designed. So we are in a warehouse, ironically. Yes. As we were mm-hmm. like, we do not want to feel like a warehouse, but we're in a warehouse. Um, Can't tell yeah, but we designed it um, to like feel more intimate. So part of that was like putting in like a dropped roof, like above our um, our bar into the dining room and yeah, this queen, like last week, like just, just jumps up and starts hanging from this roof. And I'm like, can this support this? Oh my God. And I'm like, but she looks amazing. I don't know what to do. Right. So, um, she survived the roof survived, but that's been, that's been wild. Um, so that's a show coming up in February. We have all this stuff like on our website, but Right. Uh, we just do a lot of, we're trying to do just, like, different things and offer a little something more that's, experience-wise. It's just
0: so funny you say that because that's how I've kind of, you know, done things with Highwire and the ta- the Tapper Mind run. is just, like, having essentially random events.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, legit random. Like, everyone's like, what are we having tonight? And I'm like, tonight we're having a tarot card. Yes! Literally, oh, that is did tonight. You do that? Like, I'm... Oh, it's, oh tonight. it's tonight. So, I, as soon as I get oh office, no, we had one and, a few uh, weeks I'm going ago, up there. which is crazy. Yeah. And then, like, we did a plant swap for the first Aww. time, and they were so excited about it. We're doing it monthly So, the next one's uh, in December. And just like, I've reached out to like sewing people to have like a sew and sip. And I'm like, mostly because I need to learn how to sew. So, <laughs> but if you want it, that, that means like, other people want it. Exactly. And it's just like, And everyone's been like, I love all these random events you're having. And I'm like, yeah, me too. It's just, it also is just a way to just bring, you know, people in who obviously wouldn't come in, but also just like bring people together, you know, post COVID, giving them a reason to go out, like you said. So it's so funny that we're kind of on the same like mindset of having those types of events and it's been successful so far, you know, people, some. I think now people just need a reason to go Definitely. out. Definitely. You know, they aren't just gonna go out on a Tuesday night and have a couple beers, but they're gonna go out if there's a tarot card reader or um we had a seed swap last week. So this this the seed bank oh. brought in all these seeds and they left with like ten seeds. I'm like, I live in an apartment, I don't know where I'm gonna put these, but it was um they were so happy how excited people are about like um, you know
1: yeah.
0: like what am I saying, like coming out together to uh, event and... egg or whatever. Um just agriculture in general. So it's it's funny that, you know, yeah. it's to hear some other people are thinking that way as well. And I'm just not having random Yeah, friends.
1: yeah, I have one for you. Our third, so last Friday um, was our probably our third craziest night we've ever had uh, Harry Potter trivia night.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> we have um, <laughs> on Wednesday, so this Wednesday, we're doing Friends Giving, but it's a Friends theme oh, tonight. Oh, man. So we're doing friends trivia oh you're, you guys will um, be nuts friends like i have a, i'm just gonna give away some prizes for like best outfit and then like amazon has like these like friends photo booths oh, so fun. um we're doing a friends themed trivia on wednesday for friendsgiving so yes theme trivia is always just crush totally because people nerd out and i love friends yeah. too so <laughs> I also plan events that I want to do so <laughs> no it's, I mean that's
1: that's the good thing that's really nice about being being the planner yeah. for like we're our target audience. we like to drink right. beer we're exactly. you know our age group is going out. It's like if you and somebody else thinks that's a good idea, then there's hundreds of people out there that'll right. that'll think the same,
0: yeah, I think we'll be pretty busy on I mean Wednesday's a big. Going out night. I don't party yet. Going out night. Anyway, so hopefully hopefully it'll be a good night, Um, but I've kept you over an hour, so we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Like I mentioned, rapid fire and then two questions. So first thing that comes to your mind, six pack of 12 ounce cans or four pack of 16 ounce cans?
1: Six pack, 12 ounce.
0: If you're drinking straight from it, a bottle or a can?
1: Can, which I can't believe I'm saying that,
0: (laughs) but can, yeah. (laughs) New England or West Coast IPA?
1: I'm going to go New England.
0: Stout or porter? Porter. Gosa or Berliner Weiss? Goza. Seltzer or cider? Cider. Um, pumpkin beer or Oktoberfest?
1: Oktoberfest.
0: Brewery cats or brewery dogs? Brewery both. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, 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 i actually will go cats because they
1: actually do something
0: to serve a purpose <laughs> yeah uh favorite beer city that you've been to
1: um favorite beer city i've been to Which she um, i mean I'm
0: give me a answer. answer second on that i
1: would i would have to say brussels
0: mm-hmm I yeah. would assume so. I yeah. mean, if
1: you've been <laughs> there. got the beer bars and all the most unique breweries covered.
0: A uh, favorite beer glass style?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would say a footed Pilsner glass.
0: Okay. Um, like, 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 a, the... like
1: the V with okay. like the yep. base yep. At like the bottom. Um... They're like the vintage like Pilsner glasses.
0: Like a Stella Artois glass.
1: Yes, but, like, much more, like, skinny and taller. Okay, yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah.
0: Uh, favorite hop variety?
1: Probably Saws. We brew all of our lockers with a shitload of Saas.
0: Uh What's your go-to beer right now? I guess it can be your, one of your own.
1: Um, No, that's cheating. Um... Favorite go-to beer? It bad? It's so bad. When I'm like not at our brewery, I like order High Life Miller High Life out of bottle. Ironically, you know, I just said I drink out of cans, but like that is like the one bottled beer I drink mm. everywhere. Um, but outside of that, I mean, when I when I visit Chicago, um, that's it's like I drink all of our beer. When I'm here in Atlanta, when I go to Chicago, I drink um, I drink any dovetail or half acre I can find.
0: I. Did a podcast with the Brewer at Dovetail, and she sent me like six six four packs oh, of beer. Oh hell yeah! I have never like made a noise after I drank a beer, but <laughs> did she a noise? Did you send you half a bison? After... Uh, yes, the Kolsch, oh, the Pilsner, man. the Vienna. And I, after everything, I did after the Kolsch and I was like, this was weird, Kinsey, but and then I was like, "Don't well, happen again? And then I drank the Pilsner and I was like, okay, just made another noise. Like I, I was like, this, this amazing, amazing. I no, get to go to Incredible. in June for a wedding and the, I literally will land and drive straight to Dovetail. So I get that. It's
1: a good call. They're, everything they do is so great.
0: And then two questions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you could go on any beer vacation right now, where would it be and why?
1: Um, you know, it just got cold. <laughs> I would probably to keep it short and quick, like, I would just go to the West Coast and drive the coast and hit, you know, all the breweries along the way. I mean, there's, there's such good stuff. You got everything from spontaneous to IPAs. Like, you can cover right. The nice thing about, I mean, the cool thing about Europe is you go to the epicenter of like loggers, and the epicenter right. of, you know, certain ales that are out there. But like the great thing about the United States is like, we have all styles. So we do, right. so. We do them well.
0: That's yeah, also the we day.
1: do. We do. So that would probably be my last qu-
0: trip. Last question. If you could have one beer with one person, who would it be? Or a beer with one person, you know, you walk into elsewhere, sit at the the bar with the person, with somebody who would it be? Yeah.
1: It'd be Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I just watched his um, rewatched his his if you haven't seen it his bar episode of mm-hmm. New York. It's a really old episode. I think it's like twenty years old, and uh, he does you know normally he focuses on food, but he goes right. to all of the bars like a whole New York bar experience, and he talks about like what makes the best bar, what makes the best bartender. You should watch it. It's great. Um,
0: so what's what's a weird thing about me is I'm not a foodie at all. Okay. I like like good food, but it's something i need to like especially with beer you know food and beer pairing it's something i should be more into but i'm just i'm just not i like that am makes, that kind of person that makes being that, vegetarian easier you're like i yes, just need to get
1: sustenance in me i don't right. care it doesn't need to be meat so literally we'll just eat awesome. a peanut butter and jelly for
0: dinner if it's come down Wait, that's
1: <laughs> i actually that's a that's actually like a, a good way to be <laughs>
0: No, actually, I, it's even worse. I get meals delivered to my door, so. Hey, it's sustenance. (laughs) I put them in the microwave, yeah. But no, that's, that's a good answer. And I'm sure having a beer with him would be very fun and interesting and a great conversation. For sure. Well, Sarah, I took up a lot more of your time on this Monday. Um, I really appreciate it. And I'm so glad we finally, finally got to sit down and uh, talk and have a conversation. And um I think I need to make a trip to Atlanta soon sounds like yes get
1: down here and when I pass through Kentucky I will have to come check out Highwire
0: yes you do um if you like bourbon it's mm, also a good <laughs> reason got to come a lot of that there we do we do I, it was funny I was somebody this is a real small tangent I was talking to someone who was just in Kentucky for the first time and she was like yeah it's great bourbon and beer like she didn't even like skip a beat about beer usually it's just bourbon. And I was like, hell Aww. yeah, we're making strides here. Yeah. That's
1: huge progress. Good
0: beer. So, well, Sarah, thank you so much and, um, have a, have a great rest of your week.
1: Thank you so much, Kenzie.